Welcome to Two Girls Talking, our weekly podcast. I'm Katie Kiley from 97.1 The River, rock radio host, and I'm with Atlanta Journal-Constitution's music critic, Melissa Ruggieri. And this is episode number 11 already, <laughs> Melissa. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends if you like what you hear. But episodes number 11 and 12 have been inspired by one of our yes. listeners. I was excited to get an email from Mary Cowan, and she says, one of my favorite artists of all time is Greg Allman. I've had an extremely hard time with Greg passing. Thought I was being silly until I asked to join Greg Allman fans on Facebook and so many fans share my sadness. Maybe it's because he lived in Macon. I grew up listening to the Allman Brothers. I just can't shake it. And she wanted to know about what you and I had mm-hmm. as experiences with Greg Allman. I thought that was really sweet because I feel the same way. Do you feel? I do because I got to know Greg just by talking to him and interviewing him. I mean, it's not like we were personal friends, but I, I, much, much more since I moved to Atlanta eight years ago because, you know, you know, I grew up in South Florida. My family's from New York. I lived in Richmond for many years and honestly the Allman Brothers just weren't a thing there like they are here in Georgia. Right. So pretty much immediately I think the year after I moved here his people reached out to me and asked if I wanted to interview him about hepatitis C and also interview his doctor and that's sort of how my introduction to him came about. It, it's funny it wasn't through music it was through his health problems that he was having and had at that time overcome and he really wanted to get the word out as to why you should get checked for it and, you know, how it can happen and all the stereotypes that follow it. And he was very interested in wanting to discuss that. Of course, we always talked about music, too. But how cool is that? Yeah, it was. It was. And then, of course, you know, as the years went on, you know, we would talk about whenever he was coming to town. And, and you've certainly had decades, I'm sure, of yes. interactions with him and the rest of the guys in the Allman Brothers. I can still remember the first time I talked to him. And it was extremely difficult to interview him. Really, the reason why is because when you do phone interviews. I only interviewed him once or twice in person. Mm -hmm. But when you do phone interviews, you're waiting. You're not sure when they're stopping. So you want to kind of let whatever it is lay for a minute until you're sure that they've stopped talking. Well, Greg very much talks with all those pauses. <laughs> Lots of long pauses when you talk to Greg. And yes. then you kind of start talking over him and you want to stop. And it, But, you know, there's so many different times, too. I can tell by what year I'll go back and listen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you can tell he wasn't feeling well. Or, oh, my gosh, he was high during that interview. Or there are some of them that he just sounds so vibrant. And so you're going to get to hear pieces of some of these interviews. Melissa and I did one together, probably one of the last interviews yeah, he ever had. it may have been the last interview that he ever did. It was right before the Laid Back Festival here in Atlanta in 2016, October of 2016. And that was the last show he wound up playing because then he died in May and wound up canceling all his other dates after that. We'll talk about that more next week. And also um, Peter Conlon, his, his good friend, the Live Nation promoter, was was there at that last show and, you know, had had some time with him backstage. And, you know, even he remembers thinking, you know, how, how tired Greg was. And Greg even said he had to go lay down that he couldn't really talk much before going on stage. He had to save his energy. So, so yeah, I mean, it is interesting, though, listening to many of the interviews, you know, you did before we were doing stuff together and, and hearing, you know, in the early 2000s, how, like you say, how vibrant he sounded, how awake and with it. And then other times you really could hardly understand what he was saying. And then that last interview we had with him, he was just very quiet and definitely pausing. He was always very sweet and very giving. And, you know, you get a lot of people that don't like to do interviews and they just won't do them. Every time somebody said, do you want to do an interview with Greg? I was like, yes. We moved to Atlanta when I was 10. And I remember Eat a Peach was the first album I ever bought. Really? Yes. But I can remember holding that album, looking at the beauty of it. That's kind of when I realized what the South Mm-hmm. meant. Mm-hmm. I'm from New England originally, but mm-hmm. wow, I just that whole sound, everything about it has been with me my whole life growing up in Atlanta. So to have an opportunity right. 
to talk to him was really an extraordinary thing. And the reason why we're doing it this week and we waited was because December 8th, 1941, was the day Greg Allman was born. Yes, he would have so been 71 this had, year. Had he been with us still. So Yeah, so we wanted to take this week and really talk about some of our fun memories about him and hear some of the things that he had to say. One of the things I'd like to go back and do, Melissa, a little bit, if you don't mind kind of carrying me through this, is giving a little bit of history about the Allman brothers. Talk about a band that just had so much tragedy that they had to overcome, you know, right at the point when they were really, you know, peaking, Dwayne dies, you know, Dwayne gets killed in a motorcycle accident. And Greg released an autobiography with with a really great rock journalist, Alan Light, in 2012 called My Cross to Bear. Oh, it's one of the best different, ones. Different than the song of, not. it's not My Cross to Bear. I mean, right. he specifically named it My Cross to Bear because he's had to endure so, so many things throughout his life. And in that autobiography, he talked about Dwayne's accident, and he also said that he relived his death every day for the first 10 years after Dwayne died. And then he also carried the guilt of their last conversation because he lied to Dwayne about stealing some of his cocaine. And Dwayne had asked him, you know, what happened to it or whatever, and Greg lied to him. And then, you know, Dwayne died. And that was the last conversation they ever had. So he's had tremendous guilt over that. And then, you know, what, a year later, Barry Oakley Jr. Oh, my god, Same thing. Motorcycle accidents. And he didn't die immediately. He went to the hospital, but, you know, first didn't want treatment. And then, you know, wound up dying shortly after that. To lose two band members in the early 70s and then to continue on for so till many yet, decades. Till right, just now. Till when Greg died in 2017. It is really incredible. And, and to think how many times, you know, the Allman Brothers would do their thing at the Beacon in New York every year. And even though the guys didn't, Dickie Betts, there was that whole thing, but Dickie showed up at his funeral, you know. So, know. so they were able to reconcile before he died. And just the history of the, that band is even having not grown up with it like you might have you you have to respect that. So, Absolutely. You know, it was like, yeah, whenever anybody said to me in the last seven, eight years, you know, do you want to interview Greg Allman? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to talk to Greg. One of my, my favorite Greg interview was, <laughs> I remember he got on the phone. And like, he was like, first of all, he sang a little bit of Melissa to me one time. And oh, that, cause your name, that yes. was, that was pretty incredible. <laughs> but I remember he got on the phone. He's like, Hey, um, wait, hang on a second. And then I hear him like in the background yelling for whoever was, you know, home with him at the time. Hey, can you bring me a scissor? He's like, I got a dang hangnail on my toe here. <laughs> Just hang on, on a second. <laughs> he's clipping his toenails while he's talking to me. <laughs> It was it just cracked me up because it was just so Greg, you know, I mean, he every time you would interview him, you knew you were getting the real thing. And absolutely. Like you said, he was always so sweet and so gracious. And you asked him about, you know, what it was like to think about the de Dwayne's death even after all these years. And, and he would still talk about those things, which. Yes, but it's very to. hard for him to. That it, right. The autobiography, I really think, is a book that if you have any interest at all, you should read mm -hmm. because it's a great book. And the guy that reads it does a great job. The, the guy who's reading yeah. it is really entertaining and really good. Will Patton, that's his name. So I highly recommend the book, whether you read it yourself or get the audio version. It's great. You know, the other thing in the book, too, though, he he definitely talked about his diagnosis with hepatitis C. He thinks he got it from a tattoo needle. And he also talked about his liver transplant. I mean, that you know, he, he endured so many health issues in the last decade you yep. know, of, or more, really, of his life. The book he also talks about Cher, you know, his marriage that to Cher. That, to me, was some of the most fun yeah. stuff to read about. They loved each other. But you didn't remember, because you weren't even maybe born yet, <laughs> when they got married. And then, like, a week later, it was like, now they're separated. Now they're back together. Now they're pregnant. Now they're... And it was the most bizarre pairing of two people. Sure. Because I was very young, again, like, probably mm -hmm. pre-teenager years. 
but I love them both. That's kind of crazy to think you love Cher's music and you love the Allman Brothers, right? But to see them together was, I don't think it, it seemed to work. And then when you read stories that he tells, yes, it's crazy. And didn't you just see a Cher? I did. Well, I saw the Cher musical in Chicago over the summer when it was in previews, and, and it just opened on Broadway this week, actually. And I'm, I'm going to check it out there as well just to see what changes they made. But Greg, you know, I mean, there's a Greg in the show, and, and he's he's lovely. He looks just like Greg with the with the long flaxen hair and the velour suit, and he's he's a very handsome guy who plays him in that you know whatever wig he's wearing, <laughs> he looks great. The Cher musical talks, you know, it's it focuses so much on her loves and so you know Sonny and and uh, Rob Camaletti who came after, but but Greg, you know, they they always had this connection, and even in those last few weeks before he died, she was on Twitter all the time. Just making really vague references, like if you were a Cher fan and a Greg fan, you knew kind of what was going what on. She was I mean, talking about. she she Got bowed it. out of doing a, a Lifetime movie because she said that there was a family health emergency. That's the only thing I could think of. It could have been because you never heard anything else about anybody else in her family being sick, and you know, a couple of weeks later, Greg died. So I think she was just afraid to not be around. So that she could be there for the funeral and, you know, and just remember well, him. Well, they because have a son together. They have a That's, son together. Yeah. And it just, you know, and when talking to him, he always has a had a respect for her and realized that, yeah, he kind of screwed up. I mean, she did everything she could. She's not a drinker. She's not a drug person. You know, that's just not her scene. And in those years, that was all Greg was about. And she really tried hard to get him to change and to fix him. And he just didn't want to be fixed. And, you know, that's unfortunate when those kind of people get married. Cause... And you can't you can't even really imagine that status, that star status. They were both oh, the two of them. really yes. at the peak, right, for them. Yeah. They were. And was, he was either at one of her shows or she was at one of his. But the way they met and all that is just <laughs> it's great to read. But that autobiography yeah. is really a must. Let's listen. We played a little bit of this when we did the podcast about autobiographies. Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting to listen to how Greg came about writing an yeah. autobiography. It was. It, it's one of the more interesting ways I've heard artists talk about coming up with their autobiographies. We loved your autobiography. <laughs> what a book, huh? Well, that was uh, that was mostly uh, it's my journal is what it was. I used to keep a journal in case, you know, I got too old to go out and play or something happened to me that I got decapacitated and I couldn't play. At least I could sit in a rocking chair on the porch and flip through a few pages and kind of relive it, you know. Wow. I started writing it by hand, and then I, I, put, I started recording it then on cassettes. And I had like... Uh, like 167 cassettes, and uh, my manager came over to the house one day, and he said, what you got in the big bag over there? I said, oh, that's my life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he said, mind if I read some of it? And I said, no, I'll go right ahead. About a week later, he came back and said, man, you've got to put this out in the book. I said, well, <laughs> it would have to be abridged. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a real losing idea, but damned if it didn't go to number three or something like that on the New York uh, bestsellers chart. When you were writing it or talking about it, did you start from the beginning or did you just do whatever you felt like talking about that day or writing about that day? <laughs> well, I started from the beginning. That's Greg Allman talking about how he came about writing an autobiography, which thank goodness he did. You think about that rich history of the way the Allman Brothers started. One of the things, Melissa, I find interesting is we've talked to him so many times and about playing with certain artists of who he was close to when they were coming up. Mm -hmm. 
like very recently at the end of his life, he was playing that show with ZZ Top. Right. And he has a couple of great stories that we'll play next week about his friendship with ZZ Top right. coming up and the time that they spent in L.A. When you think about these Southern guys moving out to L.A., <laughs> right? But one in particular that I think would be a good segue into that concert that he did here in Atlanta is Jackson Brown. Yes. And you and I were at that show together backstage before the concert started, and they had made available just most of the lineup of, I mean, you had all these artists from different musical styles who were still either influenced by Greg and the Allman Brothers or loved Greg and the Allman Brothers for whatever reason. And, and I remember you and I were talking to a bunch of people, you know, ran, you know, whoever happened to be available, and we were just standing there, and Jackson Brown walked up to us. <laughs> and it was kind of like, hey, anybody want to talk to me? <laughs> and you and I were like, yes, yes, yes we do. <laughs> oh, hi. We love you, and yes, we do <laughs> like we didn't see you standing over there with your little mop top bear gun. <laughs> and he was so sweet i mean because he really he, he loved talking about greg and their relationship and you and greg talked about this is i think 2009 and i had just realized that they had been roommates back in the mm-hmm. day greg i hope you don't mind talking about going way back for just a second here but i knew that you had a few ties with jackson brown but i never knew that you did you were you guys roommates for a while oh yeah were, and this is in california can you back, t- back in about 67. How did you hook up with Jackson Brown? and How did you end up having him for a roommate? I uh, just uh, I met him through some boys from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And we were staying at their house, and then we moved. We all moved to this place down on Coanga Boulevard. And uh, they set us up in uh, his different apartments, and my brother and I had one together. And uh, Jackson came over, and uh, he taught me a bunch of, uh, bunch of Travis picking on the guitar and everything, you know, where you use picks and all that. And uh, we got to know each other real well, and I learned a whole lot. That's a great story. I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for some of that stuff. I bet there was some great music <laughs> going on between you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. when he wrote These Days and, uh, you know, just watching him do it. It was, I was, it was very fortunate. I really was. I, uh, learned, uh, I learned so much about creating music from that man, I tell you. I, I'll be forever grateful. That's Greg Allman from 2009 talking about his relationship with Jackson Brown, which it's so sad to hear that, Melissa, to me, because to get it airworthy, to be able to play on the radio, yeah, I had to really edit it. He was in, you could tell he was just in another zip code or something, mm-hmm. and I don't know what was happening in 2009 with him because he had so many health issues. That was around the time before, before the liver transplant, I think. Okay, yeah. I think so, yeah. too. But, you know, he obviously is not feeling well there. But that was one of those things where it was – I used to do live interviews. All my interviews were live mm-hmm. on the air. So however long somebody was talking, I couldn't <laughs> edit them, right? And it was it was amazing. <laughs> that was the first time I ever taped him to edit to run on the air. And I was like, it, I spent way more time editing it than I did with the original interview. And probably going forward, that was the best way to do it with him as well. Just because if you're airing something live and you've got somebody who's talking with a lot of pauses, you know, yes. you're saying they're going... Come on, come on, come on. And he had so many <laughs> special things to say. Yes. That's what was kind of... Jackson Brown is very much like that, too. I remember the first time I interviewed him on the phone, and I was mm-hmm. like, 
Oh my! And he was very soft spoken. Very soft spoken. Yes. So let's go back to Jackson Brown playing mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Tell us about the show that actually you can see this. Well, you can see it lots of places. It's available on CD. It's a two CD and DVD set that you yep. can you can buy. It was it was called All My Friends. It was a tribute to Greg Alman at the Fox Theater, and the concert happened in 2014. It's also streaming now on BlackbirdPresents.com. They're the promotion company that brought that show here, and then did a Leonard Skinner one the next year. They do those type of shows all over the country. They wanted to do something to pay tribute to Greg while he was still in relatively good health and, and had all those those people who showed up. Just a whole bunch of my buddies got together and put it together. Yeah. It's incredible. Trace Atkins, tell me a little bit about Trace. How are you guys friends? We've run into each other many, many, many times. Uh, country affairs and rock and roll affairs and all kinds of different things. He's got to be a big fan of yours, I'll bet you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about Natalie Cole? How does Natalie Cole fit into this? Oh, I've known Natalie for a long, long time. She's sat in with her own brothers. And Natalie's a good old buddy. Now, Greg, that surprises me that she sat in with you guys before. She sat in and played women post with us. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Warren Haynes. Let's talk a little bit about Warren, who's been out with Government Mule recently. And, oh, my goodness. What do you got to say about Warren? Well, you know, I don't know all these people that are doing it, of course. You know? <laughs> well, I, maybe I'm surprising you with some of the men. Because <laughs> War- Warren's going to be there. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. And Don was, who's a fantastic record producer and bass player. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like every kind of little gig that he puts on, not little, big gigs, uh, he always invites me to come play. And, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, a good old friend and a great player, man. That was Greg Allman with me before his 2014 show, All My Friends, celebrating the songs and music of Greg Allman with Derek Trucks, Susan Dedeski, Dr. John. Gosh, Keb Moe was there, Martina McBride, John Hyatt, Sam Moore. And, you know, we both talked to him in 2013, a couple months before the show, and it was just such a diverse lineup of people. And some of them were obvious, people who have known him for years or played with him for years. But then there were some other people that you didn't really necessarily expect to see there who so influenced by the Allman Brothers and were so excited to be playing some of their songs in front of Greg, too. And the venue was super special to him to have this great tribute for him. He talks about his love for the Fox. And it's just kind of interesting to hear about why he loved a theater like that so much. What memories do you have of the Fox? Well, we saved it from being torn down. Oh, yeah. Two or three times, I'm not sure. Because the phone company's next door and they keep trying to buy the land and tear down the Fox. And, man, that's just, that's one of those magic rooms, you know. You just can't tear down things like that, you know. No, it's precious to Atlanta, isn't it? Precious to everybody that goes there. That's a really good point because I just saw a show there and I was watching the sound check and the guys on stage were taking pictures of the fox, you know, from the stage. They were so blown away by the room. Oh, yeah. That's quite a place. I mean, it used to be the Masons building and, of course, anything the Masons built has got to be incredible. The room is just so tuned. It's You can always tell a good room because no matter how loud or how soft you play, it's going to have a great effect. You don't have to worry about, uh, well, you still have to worry about your dynamics, of course. Yeah. You don't have to worry about overloading a room or underloading it. It's very, very, very different. And not too many rooms are like that. And Greg, 
I would be so remiss if I didn't say I know that you know that it's the anniversary today of Dwayne's passing. We, of course, remembered that this morning on the radio. Is there anything you want to say about this many years gone by and continuing with the family that is the Allman Brothers Band? Just that I loved him dearly. and His, uh, his legacy seems to get larger. Melissa, that was October 29th of 2013. Greg just happened to be talking to me a couple of months before that big show at the Fox Theater in Atlanta for Greg Allman and friends, all my friends celebrating the songs and music of Greg Allman, but also happened to be the anniversary of Dwayne's death. Mm -hmm. But the Fox Theater, where that show is that you can see the video of, and you need to see it. Those artists were just, it was amazing. Like we said, I mean, just the array of people who were there, you know, you had Vince Gill, who doesn't sing anything like (laughs) Greg Allman. Guitar player He's an amazing oh. guitar player, you know, and, yeah. and to see them performing together, I thought was such a cool thing. You know, I mean, Greg loved to play. That's the thing. I mean, even, you know, in those months leading up to his death, when you would see him on stage, when he played Music Midtown, like I think a year before that, he was just always so happy on stage. And you could see how he would still just get lost in the music and probably whatever pain he was feeling physically seemed to just fall away because he was so consumed by what he was doing on stage and having the adulation of the fans. And That's the thing he really, re- the fans mean yeah. so much to that band and meant so much to him. And they never forgot that. He would take the time out to talk to yep. anybody on the street, wherever you were, he would take the time out. And he really. was a very recognizable guy. <laughs> yes. And so that's one of the things that's lovely, too, is there are so many off spins. When you think about Warren Haynes and how mm-hmm. all these guys and Derek, and Derek and Susan, Trucks, yeah, yes, yeah. and all these people that are holding that torch. But there's something very interesting going on at the end of the year here. I mean, talk some... about fulfilling a legacy or just continuing a legacy, I guess. Devin Allman and Dwayne Betts have joined together to form their own band with Barry Oakley's son. So you've kind of got a rebirth of the Almonds through their children. And this weekend, they're playing at the Fillmore West in San Francisco for the Almond Family Revival in honor of Greg's birthday which is just a really sweet thing. And they're going to have a whole bunch of people, you know, playing with them there. But then they also just finished recording their first album as the Almond Betts Band. They recorded at Muscle Shoals Studios where Greg (gasps) recorded his last album, which we'll talk about more next week. But it's just really a very cool thing that they're going to go on tour in 2019. They're playing all over the country. They're actually playing here in Atlanta December 30th, later this month. They're playing here as just the two of them in Atlanta. But then starting in 2019, they're going on a really big tour, like a 40-state tour, I think it is, all around the country of the the Almond Betts band. And they are going to be playing original stuff, but I'm sure there's oh, going to yes. be some... Their favorites, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, some nods to their history and their past. But isn't it cool, though, that the kids all kind of grew up at least knowing each other and now at this point in their adult lives have said hey, we all have the same background and we are all obviously musicians as well and why not put that together and just keep it going? It's for real. It's for real. They're really talented people and and I love that. And that's how the legacy of Greg Allman lives on. And that's what that's what's so special about his birthday. You just think of him and we'll never, ever forget him, and especially in this outfit. It's one of those people that we're just really proud of that sprung from here in the Allman Brothers Band. So next week, yeah. we're going to talk about being at his funeral together. What a, an experience. <laughs> yeah, from birthday to funeral. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know what? But that yeah, was a celebration of a life that it was just, but there, it, was it was very interesting. So we'll share some of those stories and some more audio from people yes. that we've interviewed that have some things 
things to say about Greg Allman that we'll share with you. So, And we have some funny stories from our experience at the funeral, too, that <laughs> we can tell you about that, too. It's a great memory. It really is, is. Of, of sharing that with you. So Two Girls Talking. You can check us out on iTunes at Two Girls Talking, or you could check us out on Facebook at twogirlstalking.com, which is the number two, Girls Talking. Or via Gmail, if you'd like to send us an email, two girls talking 11, the number 11 at gmail.com. We're all over the place. That's like our friend. She, I, I love that she was our first email, Mary Cowan. Thank you for bringing up Greg Allman. And we decided to hold it off until it was his birthday in this time of year because it's such a special time of year. So, yeah, we do take your suggestions, too. We'd love to hear from you.